Cincy Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Cincy the Bengals UK podcast that runs a 9.29 in the 40-yard dash in our pants. Uh, my name's Paul Hirons, and if you're not too disgusted by that image, uh, please keep <laughs> listening. Joining me in the sound room today is the vertical to my jump, the first round to my linebacker, the Josh to my Rosen, the free to my agency. It's Nathan Palmer, everybody. Hello, Nathan. Good evening, Paul. Feels like a while since I've seen you. Episode 40 as well. I mean, that's a big achievement for us. We... Before we get started, we've got to give ourselves a bit of a cheeky like, little back rub, you know. Well, this is turning weird. Got to, you know, that's that's a good effort from us 40 episodes. It is. I'm not sure whether it warrants a back rub. Um, like a cheeky little rub on the back. You mean it's a pat on the back? Well, yeah. yeah. I've cheeky rubbed, though. Okay. This is this is not going well <laughs> straight away. This that's is going good, down though, 40. I mean, yeah, we've absolutely. got to say that's a good start, isn't it? Absolutely. You know? And uh, we can't thank you enough for listening. People are in. still listening. <laughs> People are still listening, quite remarkably. Uh, you know, everyone's doing a podcast these days. Hey, Joe Goodbury's doing lots rival of rival podcasts. Well, I'm not sure about it. It's like Anchor Man, isn't it? <laughs> it's like we all turn up in a parking lot and we're like, what's going on? Like, yeah, yeah, podcast the, wars. the British Laurier. <laughs> but yeah, but Joe's doing a really good job with yeah. the lockdown Bengals. You know, obviously, Paul Dana Jr. and Fletcher Page do a great job with the BBP. And we do a slightly below average job with uh, Cincinnati. So I think. Uh, uh, but yeah, well, but we're still going, and uh, there's lots to talk about uh, today. We have Nathan is correct, which is unusual, um, but he is correct to say that we have uh, been off air for the past couple of three weeks. Lots unbelievable has happened. Uh, the Bengals have filled out their staff. Lou Anarumu is the uh, new defensive coordinator. That's how you finally, Anarumu. Anarumo. And a rumo. He's an Italian New York. I'm going to have to take me a few months to look, get that one down. <laughs> Go on, what's your effort at the moment? Lou Anaromo. Okay, that, that'll do, right? That'll do. A bit like a more exotic Tony Romo. That's right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but he's uh, he's been installed as the defensive coordinator, the linebackers coach and defensive line. Uh, coaches have been installed. The whole nine yards. Mark Duffner's back as a, as a, as a defensive special assistant. Um, so it's a warm welcome back to him. Um, so it's all happening, isn't it? I mean, now it's full steam ahead, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the pieces are in place, aren't they? I mean, that that is what it's going to be going into the season. I mean, what's your thoughts on on Lou Romo? Lou Romo. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm okay with it. I mean, it's, initially I was quite underwhelmed by it because it's kind of like, sorry, but who? Yeah, I know you mean. But that. again, the more that you hear him speak and the more you read about him obviously he's a mate of Zach's which seems to Zach be Zach loves his guys doesn't he he loves his guys he loves his guys like he's not like he's like anyone out you know if they're not in the Zach Taylor sort of club they're out that's right he's like no we've got a, a bit of work to do to be we honest. need to get in the Zach Taylor club don't we we yeah. need to like come on Zach like, what's going what on? do you reckon is inside that Zach Taylor club I now? can't believe it. I'd be so annoyed if I was his brother because he's gone and got everyone else he's used to work with apart from his brother Who's yeah. meant to be really good? Yeah, yeah, and um, that might be on the cards down the line. Yeah, but, um, but the 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 one guy that's impressed me just through kind of the way he's been talking is Callahan, the offensive coordinator. Mm. I think he's showing a lot more kind of personality almost than Zach himself. Yeah, yeah, you know, really yeah. good energy, speaks really well. 
I don't know. I'm, I'm. It's a very just completely unknown. Like you've got some fancy toy that you have no idea what it does or anything else. You just want to see what it does. Yeah, like, it could be awful, and you might have to send it back. But you just want to see what it does. I mean, it's so different to Marvin, and he, you know a lot of his staff have been there for years as well. So not just himself. Yeah, there was a lot of people in you know um, some of the sort of more assistant type roles that have been there like your Jay Hayes and your people like that they've been there for a long long time and I think to get a completely new staff pretty much apart from you know Darren Simmons it's exciting we wanted it everyone wanted it I mean it would have been an overwhelming majority of people that wanted Marvin out and a completely fresh new young offensive mind we've got to see what it's got for us you know I'm a bit sceptical I don't think that it's perhaps I perhaps would have wanted a little bit more established sort of talent on the team, so to say. But I'm also willing to just be like, let's have it. I don't think anyone really can be too grumbly at the moment. It's too early and it's just, it's like, let's see what happens. Yeah. Like, let's give it a chance. And yet we still, uh, Bengals fans, I say we, I don't necessarily include myself into that, but plenty of Bengals fans love finding a stick to beat themselves with. And the latest stick to beat themselves with was the article written by Melissa Whitworth. Over yeah, the weekend. Yeah, We're not yeah. going to spend too much time over this. I'm sure everyone knows what this is all about. But as soon as that article came to light, yeah. you know, Bengals fans were kind of like, oh, we're awful. Mike Brown, awful. Troy Blackburn. Awful, blah, blah. You know, kind yeah. of, you know, that we're awful. Please, you know, this kind of whole kind of uh, masochistic, nihilistic kind of horrid beat ourselves up over nothing what did you make of that yeah I think it just highlights an ex- one of the worst pieces of business the Bengals have done um, over the last 10 years I would say it's a huge it was a hugely poor piece of business by the team and I think the reason it's highlighted so much I mean teams make bad business decisions all the time but I think when it's with you know a personality like Andrew Whitworth and his family who are very prominent within the community and within the team I think someone goes and really shows the sort of personal side of the decision-making process and what happened behind the scenes and the text that was sent. That happened all the time in all business decisions. You know, I think it really highlights the emotion of it and just how poor of a decision it was. I think that's right. I think you're right. There there was a disconnect between the actual decision made and what Melissa... Whitworth was talking about really in the article Melissa I don't think it revealed anything that I wouldn't have expected I mean of course Troy Blackburn would have emailed him and said well, this well is no what this we is the thing work, he right? texted the agent he didn't text yeah. so uh, that's very common though that kind of tone in a text message to an agent you would assume is quite common yeah there's nothing out of the ordinary it, no it's and just then like, it's the, down to the agent to kind of yeah. say look you know the Bengals don't want you um, and know, I'm sure that was hard for Whitworth and his family to take because obviously, you know, it's like anyone, if you work in a job for a long time and, you know, you think you've done a fantastic job and you're the leader in the lot, you know, the job and the job, the geezer comes out the front and he says, oh, we're only, we're going to, you know, we're not offering you a lot of money. You, you'd be extremely hurt by that. Yeah. Because I think, and that's the thing with things like loyalty, you know, you give the loyalty to someone and they, you know, they turn you down. It's hard. And I think mm. there probably is, I know, I know, my, you know, Andrew Whitworth's a true professional and everything else, but I do think there's probably a bit of resentment there for, you know, for that. And it's understandable, mm. but I don't think that article revealed anything that I would not have expected. No, it just, as it you say, very, you know, we like to beat ourselves up or, you know, a lot of Bengals fans do because it was a terrible decision. I think, I think everybody yeah. in hindsight, it was a decision that was made far too early. 
like two years too yeah, early. Definitely, because he's still playing at a really high level. Like, I mean, he's in the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? And we could have afforded afforded him Zeitler. I'm not so sure, but we could have afforded Whitworth without a doubt. Um, but then again, Melissa Whitworth was trying to. Uh, you know, I thought she was having a bit of a dig at the Bengals, using the platform yeah. to have a bit of a dig. But oh, I do agree, actually. I think it, I mean, it pains me to say it. I mean, it is tough moving your family across the country. I yeah. mean, not too tough. These guys earn millions. And they're going to pounds. L.A. And they're going to L.A. So it's not like the roughest deal in the world. Yeah. But in, in relative terms, it's a bit of a hassle mm. having to uproot yeah, yeah, yeah. your home and move your family. Um, but it hasn't worked out too badly for them. No, I mean, he's, just, like, he's revered as one of the best tackles in the NFL still. You know, he's made a Super Bowl. He's living it up in LA. The weather's beautiful. He's probably get, he's getting paid a lot more than he was. I mean, yeah, it's pretty, a win-win, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we're the losers for that. I, I, I did think it was hugely necessary to I think, be sharing I think, details like that. No, but it, it just throws a light on the whole kind of business process of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, people find... You know, you read about people finding out about, um, you know... Them finding out about them being cut on NFL Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you read about footballers over here who get cut for for one of a better, the equivalent of getting cut on teletext or the internet or whatever. Teletext? What are you going on about? That's right. You've had the clock back about 20 years, have you? (laughs) No. I love a bit of teletext, me. The Americans, would the Americans have teletext? Yeah, I, I wouldn't know what that would be called in America, but it's like. How would you describe? It's like the internet before the internet. Yeah, it was very similar. And you just internet. accessed it through your TV. Yeah. And it was like this really crudely typed out news and sport service. How did that like, teletexts connect to like? How did they update themselves? Well, that, there was I, I know a few people who work for teletext, so it was almost like working on a web web page now. Yeah. You behind the scenes on the back end, if you like, you would type your. But how would it connect with your TV? Because internet didn't uh, it's exist through. Then. It's probably through the. TV wire or something. I don't <laughs> That's know. That's what I mean, yeah. It's magic, Nathan. <laughs> I know. It's, it's very similar to the internet when you think about it, just through your TV. Yeah. Because you yeah. can play games on it. You can do all sorts of weird stuff. Yeah. Like the football scores, you'd be like waiting for it to refresh. Well, yeah, on page like 21, 22, yeah, you'd be waiting for like the page. You supported to... West Brom, you'd be fuming. Yeah. And then suddenly someone had always or used Yeovil. to happen. You'd waited for ages to, for your team to come up or the page that your team would be on. And then someone would say, oh, Paul, could you do something? And then you turn back to the TV and the page had gone again. And <laughs> yeah, you'd be like, yeah, yeah. I have to wait another half an hour for the page to go through. Yeah. Good memories, eh? Oh, memories. Anyway, um, we... But no, uh, I don't think one NFL player has ever found out they've been cut on the teletext. <laughs> I'd love to. If you know anybody that's been a football player that's been cut on teletext, either American football or British football, do let us know. Um... Yes, um, there's lots to talk about, um, but we are sort of theming this uh, episode of Cincinnati because uh, it's International Women's Day uh, on uh, Friday the 8th of March. Now, I'm planning to put this out on actually on the 8th. Um, uh, and we wanted to do something um, because, I mean, we've been very lucky in the past to have, have had female guests uh, on this program, and a lot of them as well, really good guests. Yeah, you know, brilliant guests like Kat Terrell and Tobbers yeah. and uh, Lindsay Patterson and Elise Jesse, and that will happen uh, again in the future. We've got a couple of female guests today, and we wanted to because you know part of the Bengals UK remit is to reach out and to be as inclusive as possible, and to also extend the fan base as well. We want more 
women to uh, to be Bengals fans. We want more women as part of the Bengals UK movement. So yeah. we wanted to uh, just highlight that and celebrate it as well, really. Um, uh, and we do have a couple of excellent female guests coming up later in the programme. Um, but, you know, uh, until then, you do have me and Nathan. Um <laughs> Uh, so just apologies. skipping through the 10 minutes now. Yeah, that's right. skipped on. Um, the Combine, did you watch much of it? No, I wasn't interested in it this year. I, I had a little little, uh, little gaze at it. Mm. Saw a few of the stats. It was the fastest group ever on average, wasn't it? I saw that. The fastest um, group of athletes they've ever had on record as an average. Oh, which is man. Exciting. Uh, some, I mean, people, the players seem to be getting bigger, more athletic, more mm. fearsome. Quicker, stronger, every evolution. Year. Did you see a DK Metcalf that receiver? No. Unbelievable. Two percent body fat. He's about nine foot tall, and he ran something like four three something. How much body fat are you? Percentage about four, um, about four or five. Uh, add a couple of noughts onto that, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What are you saying? That's why I probably good. I don't know. I don't even really know. Um, for about twenty. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I'm about 40% wagon wheels, I think. <laughs> and That's a classic British snack, wagon wheels. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, rocky bars, man. I love rocky bars. Do you? Rocky yeah. bars, hello. Um, but, yes. But that geezer, the defensive end, who was going Monte quicker. Sweat. Yeah, that was going quick, quicker than... Um, he was going quicker than some old running backs and receivers. He was mm. going faster than Antonio Brown. That's what I mean. And That's extraordinary, isn't it? I say, these guys seem to get be getting bigger. And, of course, because of their superior... Combine performances. A couple of players have just jumped up the yeah, the yeah. mock draft boards and the big boards, and everyone's got a big board. mad overrated, isn't it? Well, you look Do at you not think you look at someone like yeah, but like, you look at someone like Antonio Brown who ran it in sort of like they were doing a comparison between Montez Sweat and Brown, and you're like just on the field, Brown's electric. You can't stop him. It's like the, no. it's like the sort of like low agility he's got, and like you know, with pads on as well. They say that you know, can you run with that extra bit of weight? Are your legs able to sort of yeah. you know, uh, sort of your, your initial get off speed and sort of like you know, and that like John Ross is a good example, isn't it? Of course, you know. Yeah. Well, well, we're talking to John Ross. Yes. Well, there's been some news about him, some crazy uh, trade rumours that just came out of nowhere. Once again, the national media reported, I can't remember who, was it Rappaport? Or yeah, was it Rappaport, I think. Um, kind of reported that the Bengals were willing to trade John Ross. Very confidently as well, as in like, the way he worded it was as in like, oh, while he was tearing up the combine two years ago, the Bengals are now, as if it was like done deal, like he knows it for a fact. And it's rare the media are that wrong. It was like with Marvin. Yeah. Adam Schefter came out. Like Adam Schefter, like, you know, if he comes out and says something, it's, it's always right. Yeah, like I could, I can't remember Adam Schefter ever coming out authoritatively saying this is what's happening. I've heard it from a good source. You know, I'm first to it, and a few people backed him up on it, and it was just completely wrong. And yeah. I don't know with the John Ross thing if it is completely wrong because I still wouldn't rule out. Well, you look look at the. Uh, I think someone mentioned during the combine coverage that some of the analysts are still quite confident that this might happen. I, I, I think there's probably some discussions being had. But I, what would you? What was your feelings about that? Because a lot of people were like, what? You know, I, first round pick, what are you going to trade him for? And, you know, let's give him a chance. I, if someone offered me a second round pick for him, I'd do it. Right, okay. I wouldn't probably do it for a third. I, if you could get a second back for him and you've had some production out of him already and it 
depending on if it was like a high or low second, I would probably do it. Yeah, I was what about actually. You? Well, I was actually. First of all, I was quite surprised. Yeah, and then I was actually like, you know, this is quite exciting because again, the Bengals don't do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it shows they're kind of thinking outside the box and to rebuild your team. Mm. You've got to look at what capital you have, mm. and then, you know, think about some tough, make some tough decisions. Because he gets paid a lot, Ross, wouldn't he? Because he was a top ten mm. pick as well. So financially, that it's like I know these these rookie contracts. It's never like outrageous, but I suppose that's a factor. I mean, you've also got to factor in that you've got two elite players at the wide receiver position that you both got to pay, Green and Boyd. Yeah. So if you've got two, like... Well, their I, I, contracts are both coming up, Well, exactly, they? as well. So you've got to think to yourself, you've got them two, then you need to get really sort of... I mean, you don't need an elite third wide receiver. You certainly need someone who's productive. So then, But it's not out of this world to go out there and get someone who's like a third, sort of, you know, a third sort of on the depth chart receiver to back them two up, especially if you've got a, you know, a pass-catching running back and tight end. You can, you know, that person's not going to probably see more than five, 600 yards. Hmm. So... In terms of like what is the ceiling for Ross, you can't really expect... If you've got Green's always going to be green. Tyler Boyd, I hope, can keep up the level of production he was getting. It might be tougher with AJ Green playing 16 games. But you do wonder where Ross's window even is. You know, well, I mean, he Is has... he just a luxury player that could burn someone once every three or four games? Is he a red well, zone it. threat? Well, is that's he, it, isn't you know, it? Are we limiting his potential? But could he actually be better off on a team that might want to you know, use him as their main man or their second well, man? Well, that's, that's the decision. that We don't know what kind of scheme they're going to run. He might have so requested it. He might have done. Although there was a tweet from today that seemed to suggest he didn't. But, um, but I agree. It's kind of like we don't know what scheme they've got planned yeah, exactly. if it's anything like the Rams then he might well fit into that yeah um I still think he's got pags of potential which is why I was kind of pleased that it wasn't it was just a rumor yeah and they shot it down quite away but at the same time I was kind of like you know what the team is actually thinking about outside the box here yeah yeah. You they're actually you, wheeling yeah. thinking about wheeling and dealing which is something we yeah yeah have become used to not doing this is quite exciting. Well, you wonder as well. I mean, there was rumours out there. I think um, Andre Perotta um, yeah. put something out saying about, you know, could they trade for one of the Jaguars linebackers? Could it be like a player-for-player player type mm. deal mm. if they were going to do it as opposed to a draft pick? Because really the Bengals don't really need that many more picks from a numbers standpoint. You know, we've got those, yeah. the, is it the fifth round or sixth, sixth round? Sixth round, we've got so like got about three sixth rounders plus the four. one we've actually got. So you've got four sixth rounders. Um and we've got we don't we're not absolutely paper thin. We do need some positions, but again, you're not going to get them all on the roster. So to just ship Ross away for another picks, it feels a little bit like we're like you know maybe. So but it could again, be a player if, for player type deal. Yeah, well, I w- I would I was going to say I would have been if someone offered me a decent linebacker or a tackle in return for Ross and maybe a third, then I'd be. Very interested. Straight up pick-wise, because it's difficult to equate players' yeah. values because of contracts and stuff like mm. that. What would you be wanting for Ross? If you're what well, picks-wise? Yeah, because it starts with hardwood players mm. to say like if you're talking about you know players from other teams, what year of the contract are they? You know, how much they're getting paid? Because that'll all affect their trade value. But purely from like a what sort of you know like picks in the draft standpoint, would you be? I I, I would be like a second or a third or two thirds or something like that. Yeah. Uh, just because he's he's a weird one, isn't he? Because he's shown potential. Yeah. There's obviously a long way to go before he's the finished article. Yeah. But I think most Bengals fans want to see him, you know, in this new system. Yeah. To see what 
he can really truly do because I think the problem with Ross the last two years under Marvin, he was really badly mismanaged. Yeah, yeah. on a player ma- man management level. Um, whereas I part think, of that was his fault though, like not yeah, disclosing his shoulder injury. Yeah, in no, absolutely. And, and you know, he he, I, th- I just think that. I mean, they've come out and said Callahan and Taylor, they're, they're excited to work with Ross. I mean, they wouldn't say anything different at this stage. No. But if you take them at their word, then there's going to be lots of interest in that. The thing with Ross is he, he's the most marketable player you could have. And I think because of that and because of that potential, the Bengals fans you know, really want him to do well. You've got a guy that speed is sexy. You know, he's run the quickest 40 time ever. If you're a fan, you're like, God, we've got the fastest guy ever on our team. What could he do? Like, yeah. He could just run past people. He could do this, he could do that. So I think naturally fans are really eager for, to see what that can translate into and they're really desperate for him you know, to make something of it. And I know people like Goodbury are sat there saying they're very staunch defenders. We've given him a chance. He's he's more than a speedster. He can run routes. He can catch the ball. He's a, you know, he's a talented receiver. And I think we've seen glimpses of it. We have. It's just nowhere near consistent enough. And I thought, no. you know, at the end of last season when Green was down, Boyd went down, that he just absolutely didn't step up. And it was a shame because that was really his chance. A bit like Tyler Boyd took it at the end of last season. You mm. know, he stepped up. He made that big catch against Baltimore that propelled him into the next yeah. season. Yeah, you wanted, you wanted that Ross kind of play. To, yeah, to, exactly. And yet he scored seven touchdowns last year. Yeah, so it madness. wasn't all bad. I might have been eight. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he, he was really, a threat. Yeah, yeah, he can, yeah. You know, he's a playmaker. Um, but I think he got less than two hundred yards, which is staggering. Yeah, it's a, he's such a weird one. I'm, so I'm actually, you know, as I say, uh, I'm glad that he's sticking around because I want to see what he can do in the system or how they can improve him. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, you know, I was quite intrigued and excited initially about the mm. trade, his trade value, and the fact that they were actually thinking about wheeling and dealing, you know. So we'll see. Ross is on the roster for uh, until... Uh, until further notice. Until further notice, um, uh, which is good for him. <laughs> and uh, uh, what is it time-wise now? Yes, we are about to bring in our first special guest. She is none other than the Bengals team reporter, uh, Marissa Contepelli. Marissa, are you there? I am. Paul Mason, excited to talk to you both. How are you doing? Yeah, we're really good, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, we've tried to get you on for a few weeks now, but uh, things have been a little busy at Paul Brown Stadium recently, right? Just a tad. You know, we've uh, had some changes and some new faces in the building, so it's been busy, but boy, has it been some fun and exciting times here over the past couple of months. Absolutely. Um uh, we'll get onto that in a little while, I think. Um, but first and foremost, um, you, this this is uh, we kind of theme this episode uh, as a celebration of International Women's Day, and I'm interested in your path to becoming uh, a team reporter at the Bengals. Um, have you always been into the NFL? Have you always been into sports? What what has been what has your journey been like? Well, first, I have to say I'm absolutely honored that you would want to have me on for your International Women's uh, kind of highlighting podcast here. But just to give you a little bit of background, I have always been into sports for my entire life. I'm an Ohio native, so, you know, growing up in the Midwest, you were kind of raised on it, especially with football being so, uh, like, 
relevant and kind of like in in the forefront. Uh, growing up, it was the sport that both my dad and brother played, so I was extremely familiar with it. I myself obviously didn't really get a chance to play football growing up, but I was around it. I ended up uh, growing up playing softball. I swam competitively and played a little bit of soccer, so I was always extremely active and always knew that I wanted to get into the sports industry somehow and ended up kind of finding my path going along the sports broadcasting ways. So before I ended up uh, getting the job with the Bengals, which is a little surreal, I'm coming up on my one-year anniversary next month. I cannot believe it's Congratulations. going to be here already. Thank you. So it's gone by extremely fast, but um, before I came over to the Bengals, I was with Spectrum Sports Ohio, which is a regional uh, cable sports 24-hour network, and I served as a video journalist, studio host, and sideline reporter for them. So if there's any soccer fans over there in the U.K. and are familiar with MLS at all, I was the sideline reporter and studio host for Columbus Christie Broadcast. So okay. a little bit of uh, soccer in my blood there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you might find uh, a few soccer fans over here. They're, oh, just a hunch. Just a hunch. <laughs> yeah. So very well versed in the football brand, regardless of uh, which football you want to go with. Right. But, uh, then the opportunity just kind of came about itself last April, and I decided that the move over to work with the Cincinnati Bengals was just a phenomenal opportunity and one that doesn't come around all that often. So I, I absolutely jumped at, at the chance to become a team reporter, and this first year has just been, oh my gosh, so much fun. It's been a whirlwind just getting immersed in, in the NFL culture and getting to know players and coaches. It, it's it's been a really dream come true so far. I mean, you couldn't have picked a better time to join the organisation, really, with all the changes going on and, and everything happening there. Tell me, uh, uh, or tell our listeners as well, what is a, a kind of a regular day for Marissa Contepelli at the Bengals? <laughs> that is a great question because there really isn't a standard prototypical day it feels like each day is something different and honestly that's why I love this industry so much because I'll be honest I would get bored if it was the same thing day in and day out just sitting at a desk but I guess for the most part I mean when we're in season or even and then the camps leading up to uh, August and September going out and covering practices something I really enjoy doing is getting to shoot video so anytime you see us put out uh videos from kind of highlights of training camp or other mini camps we, we uh, have throughout the year. That's usually something uh, myself and my other coworker are shooting and getting to come back and edit and then just getting to sit down and talk with players and coaches. So while it's not really a standard what I do, I'm, it's, it's kind of like a lot of field work when getting to be out of practice, but then also spending quite a bit of time at my desk just kind of going through interviews and footage and kind of editing and putting everything together. Marissa, I think a lot of fans will be very jealous at the amount of um, time that you get around the players and coaches. Um, <laughs> with the time that you spend with the players, uh, who in particular like uh, stick out as some of the favourite guys on the team um, that you interview and the sort of jokers in the locker room? Well, it's really hard to pick favourites because I truly believe we have one of the best locker rooms in the league. I mean, the amount of, of, of players who are just so respectful and, and so so really so good when it comes to doing media and kind of fun segments, uh, there, it's really difficult to choose, but just to name a few, uh, Carlos Dunlap was one I got to spend uh, quite some time with this past season, especially during 
the lead up to his Walter Payton Man of the Year nomination and campaign and just kind of getting to do extra extra events with his foundation. And I love when we get to showcase that side of players and what they do off the field because it's really just as important as what they do on Sundays in a Bengals uniform. And, and Carlos is just absolutely fantastic when it comes to, to hosting those type of events and, and working with people outside of the organization and then also having those media obligations. So he's definitely one of uh, the go-to guys when, uh, when I need an interview here or there. And then another one that's uh, that's fun to work with, and I know he's a free agent currently, but CJ Uzama, he's has probably one of the best personalities on the team, and I know that really got to showcase when we did uh, a Bud Light friendship test with a couple of the players, and CJ was paired up with Giovanni Bernard, and that was just one of my favorite segments that we got to film because the two of them were hilarious together. I was sitting behind the camera trying to like keep myself from like laughing out loud as they're going through some of the questions, but I'm like, have tears rolling down my face because I'm crying because I'm laughing so hard. So he, he's definitely another one that comes to mind that whenever we have some kind of fun segment or fun video shoot, he, he would always be one of the first ones that he would like to go to. That's really good to hear, especially about the um, the locker room being so like tight-knit and respectful and everything else. But in terms of the new coaching staff, I mean, that must have been a big thing at Paul Brown Stadium with the overhaul from you know many of the coaches moving on and a completely new bunch coming in. How has that been, and how have um, you know what's the atmosphere like in the locker room with the you know the new coaches coming in, and you know how have they been to sort of talk to and stuff like that? Yeah, so far I would say it's gone really well. It's been quite a, an experience going through the, the first month uh, in February when Zach Taylor was brought on during that first week and just seeing how everything kind of unfolded with who was going to come in um, during his coaching staff and how coaching hires were even made days before the NFL combine uh, was went underway. So it was very fascinating. And I mean, everyone that I've talked to is just absolutely thrilled and excited for for this change and this regime to come in. It's, it's been a long time since we've had a, a head coach with an offensive background, so I'm really excited to see what Zach Taylor is going to do with just the talent that is on this team, especially on the offensive side and the playmakers we have on that side of the ball. Um, and it was really a new experience, too, being at the NFL Combine last week. I got a chance to meet a couple of our new assistant coaches because that was the first time they were getting to meet the rest of the coaching staff because they had just been hired on. So it's been uh, quite an interesting couple of weeks, and I'm really excited to kind of get moving forward, and especially in April when the players return back and getting a chance to talk with them a little bit more once they're in the building and getting a chance to meet some of these new guys. Um, yeah, that's uh, again, you, I think you have the dream job, don't you, really, for us all, all us Bengals fans, <laughs> getting to kind of prowl the corridors of... Paul Brown Stadium and seeing and feeling the new energy kind of in the building. It must be quite something, really. Oh, it really is. You can absolutely tell there there is a different type of high energy just walking through the halls. And I know with the amount of coaches that we have, we're making changes to, to the coaches level a little bit. So just kind of seeing how everything kind of unfolds when you make that massive of a change has really been something. And I, the, the amount of times that I've seen Zach Taylor since he's taken on the job, I kid you not, he has had a smile on his face every single time, and it's just been really something exciting to see. Now, um, we can't go without... I mean, obviously, we're, we've themed this episode as a celebration of International Women's Day, and we're very thankful 
that you've come on and uh, we're very thankful also for some of our past female guests like Kat Terrell and uh, and uh, Rebecca Toback and, and people like that. I mean, we're quite blessed, to use that phrase, with quite a good gender balance in the journalistic side of things for Cincinnati. But also the Bengals themselves have Katie Blackburn um, in the front office uh-huh. and she's executive vice president uh, she's also um, she's chairwoman of the uh, workplace diversity committee in the NFL. Um, have you? And every time I've been at Paul Baum Stadium, which is twice, and I've managed to kind of walk through the corridors, it always feels like a, a family-friendly club. And I guess that's the tone set by uh, ownership and leadership, right? Have you? What does it speak about the Bengals to say that they do have? a female executive vice president like Katie. Oh, it is absolutely phenomenal. And just to comment really quick on on the family kind of forefront that it is, that was something that was very, very evident when I was going through the interview process for this position. And and honestly, something I absolutely loved. It's, It's so great how you can see the ownership and see the people who are making those, those big decisions on a weekly basis. All I have to do is go up one flight of stairs and, I can run into to Katie Blackburn or Troy Blackburn, and it, it's so great to see just how involved they are uh, in a day-to-day basis, even with some of, like, employees, like, throughout the company. Um, but in terms of Katie, I mean, she is just absolutely a pioneer and someone I really admire and respect, especially knowing I wanted to go into the sports industry. I mean, she's one of the few women who are not only a part of the ownership group and family, but just so involved in, in just the day-to-day activities and decision making she's really kind of breaking that helping breaking that barrier for women and such a great role model for for young women and really any girl who wants to get into sports so i feel truly blessed to to be a part of an organization that that has her kind of at the forefront and you mentioned that it's it's an empowering thing it's an inspirational thing as well um, and we, you know, there are news stories around at the moment that Bruce Arians down in Tampa Bay is looking to make uh-huh. uh, a, uh, or lo- looking to install the first full-time female coach in the NFL, um, which is a- an amazing thing. And why shouldn't it happen? Let's face it, it really shouldn't not happen in this day and age. Um, but as as far as the the NFL as a whole goes, do you th- what kind of do you think they could do more to attract more women uh, on board? Well, I think it's we've really seen a lot over the past couple of years, as you mentioned, with Bruce Arians and Tampa Bay being very open about saying, hey, like we will hire a, a woman coach to our coaching staff, and we have uh, a woman uh, official in the league as well. And even in the NFL 100 commercial, um, uh, the female running back, I know she she's younger, I can't remember her name, I know it's Sam, uh, I can't remember her last name, but mm. being able to showcase her as well, and I really think it's just something that's, that's coming as, as times are starting to change, and we've seen it in the NBA a little bit too, I think it's the Spurs who have a female assistant on their staff, so, you know, I think the NFL is, is really starting to do a really great job of, of making sure that those opportunities are there for women, like, across the league, and you even look at it on the agent side, and there are a lot of female agents out there as well. Marissa, you've been absolutely fantastic. Um, before we let you go, I like to finish by asking our guests um, what their sort of drink of choice is. 
um, sort of of an evening. But we're going to change this for the first time, and we're going to start off with a new question, which I'm very keen to get your um, get your <laughs> advice and feedback on. So I've never been to Cincinnati before, um, and I do like you know on a Saturday night to go out, have a few drinks, and sort of enjoy a night on the town. Where are the best spots in Cincinnati, in your opinion, to go out, have a few drinks, and have a good dance? Oh my gosh, that is a fantastic question. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> so I'm usually a wine drinker. I'm Italian, so I kind of go back to the Italian wine roots a little bit. But one of my favorite places to go, especially for an afternoon, if you're kind of looking to have a couple of drinks, uh, is Madtree um, Brewing. They, I feel like they have really good variety and they have, you know, TVs if you want to watch some sports that might be on, uh, any games that kind of might tickle your fancy there, I guess. But that's definitely one of my uh, my go-to places, I would have to say, and something I would definitely recommend to anyone who's visiting Cincinnati or, is, you know, from Cincinnati and just hasn't gotten a chance to try yet. Uh, well, uh, I've just I've just been writing that down. Mad Tree. Uh, we've had a few guests that have, have, have recommended Mad Tree before, so I think that's the place to be or it's the a place to go. Spot in Cincinnati. Um, so, Marissa, you, you've been doing some fantastic work over, you know, uh, talking to kind of the coaches, the new coaching staff, not just uh, Zach and uh, and Lou and people like that, but you know, our run, new runnings back coach and our new defensive people and all our assistant coaches you've been doing that over the combine so thank you for that um what's next what's on the agenda i guess the draft and free agency and otas are looming large aren't they really oh yes it's going to be a busy two months uh, until we get to may with with kind of wrapping up combine coverage which every week uh, beginning next week i'll have a package kind of highlighting a different position group as we uh, get towards the uh, NFL draft and just kind of who some of the bigger name prospects are. And then there's also a couple other things in the works, and um, I don't want to give away too much yet, so I'm going to tell you is make sure you visit Bengals.com and uh, our social media pages as well, and you should see some interviews and uh, some other content that you should enjoy. And, of course, I mean, we're going to try to keep you guys uh, kind of informed and updated as best we can. I'm hoping to catch a couple of the other new assistant coaches that we didn't get to talk to when we were out of the NFL Combine, uh, especially on the defensive side. So stay tuned for those as well. And one final question, Marissa. Will we see you in London later this year? <laughs> you should. Wee. I'm really excited about that trip. <laughs> okay, well, we had a great time last time, so uh, we can't wait to... Say hello and uh, buy you a drink and celebrate being Bengals fans over here. A nice glass of Italian wine, yes. we've got it noted down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I've actually, I've never been to London before, so I'm really looking forward to it. And of course, hopefully we cap off the trip with the Bengals win at the end. Absolutely. Marissa, thank you so much for the time. Um, we can't thank you enough for both chatting with us and also the job that you're doing. You're providing some brilliant content. And hopefully you can come on again sometime in the future. I would love to. Thank you guys so much for having me on. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much, Marissa. Appreciate it. Well, that was uh, Marissa Contepelli there. And uh, as you say, she's just coming up to a year in the job. Great energy. Oh, my goodness me. And, well, she's a real pro, isn't she? She's, yeah, yeah. She's brilliant on, on her videos and uh, interviews. And what a job to have. Yeah, yeah. No, she does a great job. And it's great to have her on. I'm sure we'll... Um, have her back on again in the future. Absolutely. Um, 
And she said some really interesting things about the new energy in the building. Yeah, yeah. And I was fascinated by her sort of journey to become team yeah. reporter. Just shows you that anything is capable, really, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. Good to hear Zach Taylor's got a smile on his face as well. Yeah, I wonder how long is that going to last for. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> I'm sceptical word. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm a Bengals fan. It comes, it's, it's second nature, really. Right, now for our second special guest. I, I did promise you that we were uh, doubling up on our special guest uh, in this episode, celebrating International Women's Day. I thought, what better way than to celebrate International Women's Day than to actually talk to uh, a female Bengals fan here in the UK? So, um Here's someone that I've known for a few years. Uh, we first met at one of the Wembley games. It's uh, from Birmingham. It's Hanya Latif. Hanya, are you there? Yes, I am there. Hi, Paul. Hi, Nathan. Uh, how are you doing, Hanya? Hey, Hanya. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Perfect voice, all good. Okay, that's good. Uh, I think we said off air, as long as you don't mind sounding a bit Bonnie Tyler-ish uh, during this <laughs> interview, I think we should be fine. Yeah, that's all good for me. <laughs> I have no body Tyler puns, I'm sorry. Okay, right. Um, now, I guess I should ask you first, how did you become uh, a Bengals fan? It's a, it's a question that lots of American people kind of ask us, how on earth and why did you become a Bengals fan? Um, but I want to find out from you as well. Um, in this context, it's interesting to, to find out how you became a Bengals fan. Yeah, I guess um, not, Cincinnati isn't necessarily your, your great holiday destination, is it? It's not <laughs> up there on the list. Um, I, I, I accidentally, I don't know, it was around about 2005-ish, um, by pure chance was watching uh, the Bengals play the Ravens. I don't know if that's a pun in the swear jar for that one. Um, and uh, they were getting absolutely <laughs> Um Which, which um, I don't know, there was, there was something about them as a team that just... It was sheer sports entertainment, and it was just, uh, I mean, so that's the era of your um, TJ and Chad in there, and you were just watching these guys, and for somebody who's coming straight into it new, well, fairly new, I mean, there was all back in the 90s, it was just about on TV and everything, but but coming into it new and going, oh, crikey, look at these guys, this, this is just phenomenal, they, they're not giving up, they're never giving up at any point, you, you just immediately got hooked on the game. And then on top of that, you had this great showmanship between the two of them. I mean, what wasn't there to like? You're just going, I like sports. This is doing good sports. Look at these guys. And and I, I just, oh, yeah, they kind of won my heart over. So, uh, yeah, pretty much straight away, the first game I ever watched fully from start to finish was uh, watching the Bengals get absolutely hammered. <laughs> Henry, it's funny you say that. I'm pretty sure that was the first game that I ever, um, like when I started following oh, the Bengals, the, uh, again, it was one of the Ravens games on Sky, I think back in around 2005. So similar timing. Yeah. Um, who is your favourite Bengals player? And who, you know, what's the player that you've got on your back or on the jersey? And why is that? Uh, so I, I guess uh, I guess the current one I, I have the last one I have is Dalton, um, but I've always been uh, it sounds terrible. I've always been a Chad Ochocinco lady, not not for you know his showmanship, but it just I don't know that the um, it's those all encompassing roles um, of sportsmen who are just yeah I've, I've got to do this job, I've got to be an excellent, I've got to you know sportsman, I've got to keep uh, in touch with um, the rest of the world as well, and and I just. It, we don't really have that kind of thing in anything else. And when you have those, when, when you're meeting those role models for the first time, you're going, "Oh wow, okay, yeah." Not only are they celebrity, but they're excellent sportsmen as well. So I think um, if I'm if I'm going with who my like my number one guy was um, and, and probably still is 
um, it, it's very much yeah, the old product of Slinko, which is probably like blasphemy right now, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. But I mean, I'd rather be honest with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I mentioned earlier that we first met at the Wembley Games, and something that's impressed me at the Wembley Games is that there is, obviously the NFL is traditionally or you know a kind of a bit of a, a a men's only club almost but when you go to Wembley game there is a good proportion of the crowd who are female do you get yes. that and and have you found that as a female NFL fan in this country uh, I found it like it's really really welcoming um and and I guess again we don't necessarily get that in other sports um but when I looked back at um games I was watching on TV before getting to the Wembley games um you'd have camera shots going off into the crowd and there was just a mix of guys and girls all over the shop and you were thinking you you just felt welcome straight away and and you thought oh yeah I've got no there's nothing wrong with being a woman into this sport um and it it just you, you instantly felt at ease and going to Wembley I was uh, I think the first couple of years it was a little bit quiet on the ground that side for women, but it's it's got some really really big interest and it's I've just watched over the years the numbers grow of more women getting into the game and, and I think it's just an accessible game it's it's it doesn't uh, you, you never feel sort of left out you, you've got strategy you've got um, plays that you can learn and memorize and, and that's open to everyone you know you don't have to be an expert in it it, it literally is anyone's game and you can just go for it and women can do that too well said um Hanya, what do you think of zach taylor that'll be interesting <laughs> that, that's what i think will be interesting um yeah well i, I i'm not sure um i don't know we call them the nonsense but you know um it's we'll, we'll see how it goes i think it's going to be a dynamic difference um but but personally i think it's it's um it's a big step. I'm not going to, you know, make my judgments on these things. I'll, I'll be interested. I'm being very open there. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I, I asked this question uh, to our previous uh, guest who was on just before you. Um, do you think there's, especially in this country, we've mentioned that, you know, perhaps uh, in the, I don't know, the sport itself attracts because of the nature of the sport, uh, it kind of attracts a much more sort of uh, a better balance gender wise is yeah, there definitely. is is there anything you know that certainly in this country that we could do to attract more female fans or bengal's fans have you got any ideas on that i, th- I think it, i think it's slowly bubbling along um about a year or so ago i got involved with um uh, baffa uh, and they've got women's leagues and things like that so um, my local team is the Sandwell. I'm not going to say the other name because it involves one of the horrible teams right. that we don't like. <laughs> and it begins with an S as well. Oh dear. Um, but <laughs> I had to leave them because of that. <laughs> um, but there's um, this sort of emerging culture of actually women playing the game. Now it's not just you know flag football or anything. This is proper contact sport. Yeah. And I had no idea that existed. Uh, until a work colleague came to work and, and said, oh, I've just tried out for this team and you're, you're really into it, you should try it too. And and actually, when I got my teeth into that, I realised there is a huge balance and, and women are actually playing the game up and down the country. And that, for me, was, was a big thing because not only, well, you know, at 37, I can't play the game, my knees are absolutely <laughs> shoved in. I learned that very quickly. Um, but I was going to games... Um, locally uh, and sort of you know going to a Sunday match going Saturday up to Leeds or whatever and it, it was just suddenly it became not only accessible on the TV 
but I could go and watch people, um, women in particular, play and be a part of that as well. And I think that's a huge step that maybe women don't understand that's out there, is that the game itself is, is very accessible to get involved in. Mm. Hanya, I'm gonna we're gonna sign off with this last question. It's a horrible question, and all the, all, oh all, the, all the purists out there will be saying you can't ask this question before the draft. You can't ask this question before oh, free agency. No. I'm gonna ask you, what do you reckon the Bengals' record's gonna be next year? Ah, um, I'm gonna be sensible and say, uh, wild card playoffs will be the furthest we get this time around. Let's say again, you broke up a little bit there. Uh, sorry, I'll go with wild card playoffs. Uh, will be the furthest we get this time round, I think. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're used to that, aren't we? One and done in the playoffs, yeah? We're, we're used to that. Uh, listen, yeah. Hanya, thank you so much uh, for coming on, Give us a little, giving us a little insight uh, what no it's worries. like to be a, a female, uh, not just a Bengals fan, but an NFL fan. It sounds like a, a relatively healthy place to be, but obviously there's more work to be done. Uh, and obviously Bengals UK, we, we're keen as mustard to get as, to get more female fans on board. So uh, thank you so much, Hanya, and uh, who day to you. Who day to you two guys. Thanks, Brilliant, Hanya. thanks very much. <laughs> Cheers, bye. So that was Hanya. That was Hanya Latif, uh, second special guest, celebrating International Women's Day. Great to hear from some British fans as well, isn't it? Yeah, and there's we've got a few, uh, you know, British female Bengals fans that we interact with um, on social media, and uh, you know, there's Helen Sterling in Cheltenham, and there's mm. Rosie in Oxford, uh, your own Rosie down here, yeah, uh, Hanya in Birmingham, um, you know, and Leanne in Manchester. I think she's out in America actually for a year, but. Um, you know, you know what I thought was a really interesting point. So to cut you off there, Paul, a really mm. interesting point um, that we're talking about is how sort of inclusive the NFL's a sport is for women versus like traditional like football, soccer in the UK. Yeah. I mean, if you went to an NFL game in the US or you just, you know, the, the level of engagement um, with American football versus English football, you go to a football game in the US, like you go to that, you know, Jamie, I know, and Peter Daswell going over to Sheffield Derby. You go to that. I mean, there's probably about 5% women in the crowd, maybe 10 if I'm being really pushy. American football game, it could be 20, 25. It's very inclusive like that. You got a lot of families go, a lot of women will go with their husbands. And like, it's a very like, you know, women are really into it, dress up for it. They're like yeah. so passionate. Whereas I don't think you have that same level of buy-in in the UK as much for soccer. I, I might have a theory and anybody else out there might disagree or want to comment on this um there doesn't seem to be that same sense of territorialism and aggression with american sports as i don't that, know i mean I, I know that there is some nastiness going on in, in yeah. lots of nfl stuff but generally speaking i mean I, I used to play football believe it or not quite high level and i went to <laughs> Uh, I did did a tour of America. Atletico uh, Madrid, wasn't it? No, 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 no. <laughs> not quite. Atletico, um, I don't know, Solly Hull it was, more more like. But yeah, but over there, even then for kind of soccer, like you were saying, family, whole families came out. Uh, yeah, there yeah. were husband and wives and kids coming along to watch us play. Mm. And that was about, like back in the 80s. So there is a bit of a different approach. Yeah, and, yeah. And I think a lot of that has translated to the NFL in the UK, which can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And also, Hanya and Marissa mentioned that, you know, I'm not talking about that ridiculous underwear league that 
that I can't remember what it's called. You know that league where oh, women yeah. play that in their underwear, which is just the most ridiculous, demeaning thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, however, it's, you know there are uh, women's leagues over here popping up, and not you, flag leagues in London actually, but, but not just flag. Yeah. Like Hanny said, like full yeah, contact yeah, leagues, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and that that just inspires people to get out there mm. and 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 not only what uh, you know watch it, but also go out and think oh, I can play this game yeah, as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you know, look. It's great that there are there is a, a decent proportion of NFL fans and crowds who are women. Yeah, yeah. But also, there's still a, a long way to go, and and the only way to kind of encourage that is to see people like Marissa in positions of uh, importance. Yeah. You know, Hanya's Hanya playing the game, uh, and it's really important to do that because then that just breeds confidence, and also it also makes barriers uh to come down as well yeah. so well, i think there's a rumor that hanya might be starting at linebacker for us next well season. i think she's got a great chance to be <laughs> honest with you um so we can't thank marissa and hanya enough for yeah, helping us celebrate international women's day uh but as ever we're going to round off this show with some correspondence from you guys uh obviously with free agency coming up next week mm. and the draft and otas and all the rest of it there's quite a lot to talk about. Um, so let's go straight to the lines, as they say. Let's go. On uh, Jamie at Trequart Bista. Uh, which free agent would you want at the club if money stroke front office obduracy was no object? And which realistic free agent do you want? Do you know what? Honestly, so unpopular, but you could go Antonio Brown, wouldn't you? How funny would that be? Him and Green just tearing up the Steelers. I mean, I mean, most people will be like, nah, nah. But, like, if you literally you got the traded Ross, got your second-round pick, brought Brown in, like, used that second-round pick and a first and got Brown over, you plugged him in alongside Green, he'd be playing the Steelers twice a year, he'd be playing like an animal. We'd have the best wide receiver core in the NFL, him, Green and Boyd. Yeah. Mixon, hopefully, pick it up. And then you got Dalton. I mean, Dalton, it'd be absolute madness, wouldn't it? Absolutely. If, if money was no object, I'd yeah. get Ross straight out the door and get, <laughs> get Brown in, mate. Yeah, well, why not? Um, what about you, Paul? If money was no object? <coughs> well, I think out of the current crop, I'd go. I agree about Antonio Brown, but he's a massive diva, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's true, yeah. We we'll um, forget about that. <laughs> no, 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 but it, the no, question, no. it yeah, suits yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a good answer to the question. But at the moment, I'm going to go with a real need and I'm going to go with CJ Mosley, a middle linebacker. Yeah, it's a good shout. Another divisional player. Another divisional player, another kind of perennial pro bowler. Uh, the Ravens didn't franchise tag him and are allowing him to go onto the open market. But yeah. the rumour is that the Ravens want him back. So they're going to have to pay him big money. Yeah, yeah. Because someone else is going to come along and no doubt at least match yeah, yeah, the Ravens. Yeah. But I think that would just be the the lightning spark that that defence would need. Someone mm. who's so much... Um, yeah, so much kind of stature and quality in the middle of that uh, linebacking core who makes plays, is a leader, he's a great player. Mm. Um, yeah, I'd go for CJ Mosley. But in realistic free agency... It's going to be Zach Taylor, one of the members of his club, isn't it? It could be like... Is, and I think Dumakan Sue's available, isn't he, from the Rams. I mean, he'd be a very good upgrade alongside Gino, whether you want the sort of his personality in the locker room's debatable. Yeah, I, I don't think... I, I think, think Juwan James from the Dolphins. Yeah, I, I think, think that's a possibility. That a good I, I think that's a good shout. And also, um, I think now Mark Duffner's uh, returned to... Uh, the Bengals, I think, 
uh, Quan Alexander at linebacker as yeah, well. He's yeah, got yeah, the, yeah. you know, Duffner was at the books. He coached Quan uh, Allen. Well, a solid player. His yeah, numbers yeah. don't aren't amazing, but you know, compared to what we've got, he'd walk straight in there. But yeah, I yeah. also think that I mean, Jamie at uh, Trequart Beaster has also written a two-part free agency guide on our mm. blog, and we'll be, you know, that's out there at the moment. So do go to our Twitter feeder at whoday underscore UK for details on how to read that. And I know Jamie is quite big on KJ Wright, mm. uh, the uh, Seahawks uh, Sam yeah, yeah. linebacker. Um, I, I think we should go for Jordan Hicks. Mm. I still think we need to sign two starting caliber linebackers. Yeah, at least that, that whole yeah, core needs to be retook. But and you know, really, you you know, Vinnie Ray is going to go. Perfect. Preston probably. Brown, you know, maybe, but he's not like amazing. He'd be like he'd be like third, he'd fourth, be, he could free agency pick up. Wouldn't he, he? He'd be like he, he could be the new Vinnie Ray, the guy to come in and plug in and play. You know, in Plenty various packages. Play. But Who have I, you even got on that roster? It's guaranteed to be on a roster, really, because perfect day. Well, in the linebacking. Vinnie Ray ain't. Uh, Jordan Nick, Evans. Nick, Nick, Nick Vigil. Vigil probably your best shout, and yeah. yeah. So, really, you'd want two linebackers. Yeah, at uh, least. Starters uh, along, as well. Yeah, so I think we should... Um, anyway, I think the, the guy to go for, and this would be the splash signing, because I think it'll cost a bit, is Jordan Hicks from Philadelphia. Mm. He's a Cincinnati boy. He's a heck of a player. Yeah, good um, I'd... I'd, I'd, I'd be quite happy with him but you know I mean Quan Alexander's not out the out you know out the rounds of possibility yeah, yeah, just yeah. because of his connections to Duffner well it's, it's going to be completely mad because remember this time last year we did an episode about a week before free agency and then a week after and it was like a hurricane had gone through the same room yeah because it was like you can't even believe like you know because yeah. about sort of 8 to 12 hours before it kicks off there's all these like secrets start getting out and stuff yeah and I mean, absolutely we're looking to potentially do another podcast next Wednesday by that time who knows you know, hopefully the Bengals have got their not just their foot in the water their knee in the water but I would I <laughs> knee deep knee deep knee deep in signings but I, I, I would caution against that. I really would because I, I still think they're going to go for second wave players. Oh, but yeah. I really don't want it to be those like one year stop gaps. One I want year quality. Deals, yeah. I want it to be quality because we need it. Uh, Richard Dixon at Lord Rixendale. Solid handle. Normally I get really excited about the draft, but for some reason I'm not really feeling it this year. Maybe it's the draft class. Maybe it's the fact that we'll pick up an, a, a boring old linebacker or offensive tackle or maybe it's just me why should i be excited for the draft lord rixendale's getting on come on rixo um i think it is just you because if we pick up a, a linebacker or an offensive tackle in the first and second rounds i'd be quite happy with that because yeah. if you're going to pick up a linebacker in the first round it could well be devon white yeah yeah um, very good, I mean, it's likely now that because of his combine performance that he's going to go. But then someone else higher than down eleven. To us though, you know what I mean? But then you know exactly. You know, we still might get like a Joanne Taylor, or um, you know, an Andre Dillard, or someone like that. You know, I would I would be quite excited if you we mentioned these fan speaks, Paul. What's going on? Well, I'm, I'm a now... question on everyone's mind. Paul ain't been doing any fan speak. People well, I know I've, I've graduated onto the draft networks uh, mock uh, mock cool. draft. Um, and yeah, it's just that, you know, as I say, I don't like necessarily to tweet stuff from my own opinion on the Bengals UK yep. feed, although I do occasionally lapse, you know, a bit, <laughs> especially if someone's being a complete dick and they need to be told they're being <laughs> a dick. But um, uh, but anyway, um, so come on, Lord Rickso, 
sort it out. The draft is exciting. And I think, actually, I think um, the reason why a lot of people get tired of the draft because there's so much noise about it. Mm. Everyone's got an opinion. Everyone's doing mock drafts, and I hold my hands up, and I am one of those people. Um, And it starts quite early. Do you know what I mean? So by the the time the draft comes around, a lot of people are absolutely sick and tired of it. Yeah, yeah. So... um, so, yeah, I think you should be excited because there is a real opportunity here at 11 or wherever they're going to pick. They could move up. I doubt it. Go for a quarterback. You they could even move down, Yeah, uh, which is a real possibility. Here's, I mean, on the BBP yesterday, um, the guys were discussing the draft. And, you know, it's unlikely the Bengals will ever move up, I think. But just imagine if Devin White goes and they want a real um, weapon, game-changing mm. linebacker then 11 is probably a little bit too high for Devin Bush. Yeah. But if you trade down to sort of, you know, 16, 18. 16 17, 18, then there's a real chance that you're going to get him. Mm. So there might be some jiggery-pokery in the draft. You never know. Because we might trade our first and second for Antonio Brown. Well, <laughs> can, can you imagine if Nathan Palmer was GM? Oh, mate, I'd be on a blower to the Steelers. <laughs> I would do something sneaky. They would never trade him to us. So I, I'd do a deal with another team. I'll say, you call the Steelers up and offer them a first and second. We'll give you ours, and then we'll give you a third for doing like, being, Ooh, doing the sneaky. Sneaky. Imagine monkey. that. Sneaky. So the Steelers, like, we're trading them to the Bucks, <laughs> And then all of a sudden, there's a double trade, and he ends up with us. Mm. God, that'd be filthy, that would, wouldn't it? That would be pure filth, I think. Um, <laughs> Rosie at Rosie underscore May 16. Hello, Rosie. If KJ Wright was to become available, what is your opinion on going for him in free agency? He's ageing, but probably one of the best linebackers in the league who I think could really boost our roster. Also, if not him, who's your favourite linebacker in free agency? Uh, that we've sort of addressed that, hasn't it? I'd say Jordan Hicks. Uh, that's kind of a realistic target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, Rosie, you're right. KJ Wright KJ Wright's a really good brilliant. shout. Yeah, but he's, he's just come off a season full of knee injuries. That mm. would be the only red flag, really. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, I'd, you know, if, if medically he checks out, certainly you'd, you'd just be pretty happy with a KJ Wright. Yeah, without absolutely. Without a doubt. Absolutely. Without a doubt. Michael Smith at solid underscore handle. Solid handle. Um, what are you both giving up for Lent? I'm giving up the right to live, work and travel freely in 27 countries. Ooh, get a bit political on Cincinnati. Bit of politics there. Um, we'll deal with the Lent side. Uh, if you follow my personal handle, you know exactly how I feel about that. But um, not a big fan of Lent, are you? Uh, no, it's the other bit that. Anyway, no, I don't want to go into politics oh, on this podcast. Oh, do Brexit stuff? You want well, to you oh, mentioned yeah. it now, haven't you? I'm not going to yeah, say anything. No, we don't want to get political. Um, are you? Are you a Lent giver upper? Nah, I'm not. No. No, I did a little bit of dry January for like three and a half weeks. So I, I, I meant to do three and a half weeks and I did it. Well, and what about November? You don't really, because no. you've got a beard full time, haven't you, like yeah, me? Yeah, yeah, No, so, I'm not into it. I don't, it's, no. I'm no. quite happy with it all, you know. Yeah, you it's just do what you want to do. Yeah, just ticking over, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's hard giving up stuff, don't you? Well, you've got to give cigarettes up. You were yeah. telling me last time, you were like, yeah, I ain't smoked in a week. I know you stink of the stuff tonight. Do I? Well, no, you don't, but you know, you've exactly. got a little bit. <laughs> I've got a little bit. When you went out for one and came back, it's that whiff of it, and I was like, oh, he's I back know. on him again. He's back on him again. I'm back on the oilies. Tweet Paul. Support. Hashtag, Support. Hashtag. Help Paul stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please do. I'd be more than happy for... If you get uh, 10 hashtag Paul stops, you promise to give up. For every day, you get hashtag Paul stop. 
you have to give up smoking. All right. So I'm gonna as soon as I get off this, gonna tweet hashtag Paul stops. That's one. Okay. So you've been in a bad mood tomorrow. I'm never in a bad mood. Yeah, all right, good. Apart from when my ex emailed me yesterday, but that's another story. <laughs> did she actually? She really did. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, what are we talking about? God, I've, we've gone to places, don't cut out. politics, and personal relationships. Yeah, that's it. Um, but yeah, please do email me. I need all the help that I can get because uh, smoking is very bad for you and very addictive. Help Paul stop. Yes, uh, do that. Uh, first one from Peter. Dad's well tonight at Dadders. What fancy cordial are you drinking? Elderflower and bramble, parsnip and forget me not. <laughs> I turned up. It's a good shout. I turned up here tonight, and he ain't got any squash for me. He's giving me a bloody pint of water. Well, yeah, you asked for it. It's harsh times. You could have had a cup of do you tea. Know, do you know what? Right. Go on. I've discovered an absolute beauty of a drink. It's sparkling ras- um, rhubarb flavour water. From they sell it in Tesco, select yeah. branches. Absolute delight. I'll do a bottle of it, a litre of it a night. Sparkling rhubarb water. <laughs> if you have it cold with some ice, mate, it's a different planet. Really? Oh, mate. Planet rhubarb. But I was going to say, I reckon if you added a bit of black pepper, I'm obsessed with black pepper, give it a bit of spice to it. You are absolutely weird. Oh, mate, um, I love black pepper. Let's move on. <laughs> Sparkling rhubarb sounds like some mate. sort of shoegaze band from the 90s, oh, I think. I'll bring you around a bottle. That's my peace offering. All right, okay. If you do, if, if we get if 10, I give up, <laughs> hashtag help Paul stops. I'll, I'll be rewarded a with, yeah. a, with a bottle of sparkling oh, rhubarb water. some ice. Well. well, Pete, I think the 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 slight uh, the, the the very um, brief era of cordial in the sound room is over because beers are going to be being reintroduced. Oh, mate, I can't wait. Very very soon indeed. Stuart Finney at Vindog oh, underscore seven. <laughs> Hello, Stuart. First time caller. Uh, should we take Eifert back? My opinion is definitely give him another year. And what's been interesting is that we have seen videos of uh, Tyler Eifert yeah, working sharp, out and looking good. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, as Paul Dana pointed out today, that those videos were filmed within the Bengals' facility. Mm. Um, so I don't know what that means. Probably nothing. Give him an incentive still. That's all you've got to do. Isn't it? I mean, if he t- plays X amount of games, you pay him X much. It's a bit harsh for him. That but tight end cupboard is very bare yeah, at is, the moment. Yeah. And um, we could do with, you know, I would be quite happy with, with Eifert getting another year's prove it deal yeah because I really do think that teams are going to be circling him this this year the Cowboys the Patriots who who knows mind you the Cowboys have just remarkably re-signed Jason Witten from the NBC booth how bizarre yeah yeah yeah. Uh, Ben Wintle at Shabba underscore Dabba solid handle quite a few mock drafts have ended up not having great options for us in the second and third, due to linebackers testing so well, would you give up one of them picks for Josh Rosen to learn behind Dalton? Now, this is the other big subject. Mm. And, of course, it's that... It's been hot. It's one of those things, isn't it, that whenever a player might become available, suddenly us fans go, oh, we should get him, we should get him, we should but get more him. more so than usual, though. I definitely agree with you on that. But more so than usual. I've seen everyone blowing up about Rosen. Yeah, because he had a, he had an awful season last year with the Cardinals, and everyone will say, "Oh, he didn't have any weapons." He had Larry Fitzgerald and David Johnson, and yeah, but so I, I don't, know, I, don't yeah. I think the scheme was awful. They were just, I mean, yeah, but a I, really bad. Everyone's offense. after the geezer. I mean, you've got. I was looking at teams today. They were saying the Patriots and the Packers might want him as a success, uh, successor to Rogers or Brady. Um, you know, a lot of teams that could be suitors for him. We weren't named as one, but I can't see that. 
What? I mean, I really can't. If it's a third, why not? Why don't you? Because this this whole that's the argument. Well, that is cheap. cheap. I mean, that would be a good value. That'd be hell of okay. Because realistically, you couldn't. I don't reckon they'd give him to you for a third. That'd be crazy. Reality, crazy value. We've got higher third. But you know, these room. I think Cliff Kingsbury. Mm. Uh, has come out and said, well, I'm not quite sure where this has come from because um, I've not said anything about Kyler Murray. And if you read Charlie Cassidy, um, he's kind of saying that Murray actually te- uh, kind of interviewed really badly at the oh, combine. really? Yeah, it's kind of people are quite down on him because of his personality and all the rest of it. Um, so he's gone from, like, going in the first round to, like, going number one to the Cardinals, then kind of back down a little bit. Yeah. And we, we get this a lot in the pre-draft. You know, there's a lot of trying around. to bait teams like the Raiders to trade up as well. <coughs> Do you know what I mean? It could all be a bit of uh, firestorm, yeah. couldn't it? I don't know. I, I, <sighs> if Rosen's that good and he's a, they put a first-round pick into him, I think it would be insane. to uh, And, that you know, they think he's a good player. To be like, let's give him away for a third a year later. No, I agree. Could I give agree. Ross away for a third, and he's had a far worse two seasons than Rosen and the potential with Rosen and stuff like that. Yeah, so absolutely. I don't, know. I don't know, but if he did become available, it's a. I mean, we have to uh, address this quarterback situation in the very near future. Do we? Yeah, I don't think we have to. It's not like Dalton's. Well, no. When I say to. very near future, we have to do it. We have to think about the, a plan. For either this year or next year. But how old? I don't think we do. Well, what what how do you old think? Is Dalton. Well, he's coming to the end of his deal in a couple of seasons' time. That doesn't. I mean, I, I know what you mean. I think that's. The and you have to plan. Around. You but, have to plan for the future. Yeah, I mean, you do. Dalton could have a like, career season under Zach. He Taylor, could do, and he's had a lot of different coordinators in the last couple of years, and that he hasn't had that sort of. You know, this sort of like ongoing, like, you know, coordinates or whatever. He's had a lot of change. It's been, you know, now he's got another change with a new offensive coordinator and a head coach. But, you know, he's on a very team friendly deal. I know he's coming to the end of it, but I don't think it's just an absolute, he has to go at the end of that deal. He's still. Not necessarily, still but that, that's one of the options, isn't yeah. it? To actually give him another deal. Like big ben. I mean, quarterbacks are going on like forever. You've got Big Ben going on forever. But that's the question. Do you keep Brady Dalton, and... bef- you know, after this deal expires? Do you extend him? Because he's not going to be on such a team friendly deal afterwards. I reckon you could still get. I mean, it depends on his numbers. Then he could have a career season, throw for four well, and a half thousand do. yards, and he might do. He, his value goes up, and then we're like, "Well, do we pay for it?" You know. But, but then you've got AJ Green to think about. Yeah, you've got Tyler true. Boyd coming up as Franchise well. Franchise tag for Green might be, mightn't it? Well, I don't know. Maybe for Boyd. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but Interesting, it's though, a conversation yeah, that you have to have. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So Rosen would be an interesting addition to that conversation. I'm, yeah. I'm still unsure about it. But if there was a third, if he was being offered for a third, then that's that's. I think teams are really good value. Absolutely, even if he was just a backup. Yeah, exactly. But I think Fletcher Page said something really interesting on the BBP. He said, you know, Josh Rosen, chosen Rosen, that's his nickname, right? He's got a bit of swagger. He wants to play in the big markets. He's not necessarily your Midwest. Or even more specifically, a Cincinnati backup type of guy. Yeah, yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean? He's a he's a big market kind of LA New York geezer. Yeah. So I don't know whether the personality would there's a personality fit there, but and I'm not still not sure whether there's a talent fit. Well, exactly. No one knows, do they? Yeah, a poor season last year uh, in a terrible offense. You know, so this is the year that. It's going to be really interesting if the Cardinals decide to keep him. Mm. 
Okay, Duncan Price at Dastardly Duncan, the return of Dastardly Duncan. Solid handle. Nice to speak to you again, Duncan. You've been a bit quiet recently. Um, one shock cut candidate from each of you, please, and one player who the Bengals should go after in free agency each two. I think we've discussed free agency a little bit. Mm. Uh, I'm shock gonna, cut. Shock cut. I'm going to go Gio Bernard. Oh, you can't. I was going to say Gio. All right, I'll say Clint Bowling then. Really? Bowling? That's an interesting one. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Still, I thought it would be a shot. Or Drake Patrick. Yeah. But I, th- I think Gio's... Uh, Perfect, but he's not a shock. No. It'd that's, be a shock considering if you'd said it six months ago. But I think... Yeah, I think I think Gio, for some reason, I feel like... Because we were looking at the cat pits, weren't we? And he he's... He's something like the 11th highest paid running back in the yeah. NFL. And when you look at his production, yeah. uh, I love him as a guy. And I think he's, he's a terrific boy, player. Yeah. Uh, he's been brilliant for the team. I think he's been underused. Yeah. Uh, I think he's been used not in the right way. Yeah. Um, and yet he's been really solid. Every time he's been on that field, he's, mm. made, he's got a real X factor about him. Yeah, yeah. But he's entering that period of his career that he's had what, a knee kind injury of and all. couple of knee injuries. Yeah. Um, you know, you can you could see him at somewhere like you know the Falcons who are getting rid of yeah. um, who's there back at running Coleman. Back. Yeah, he's he's going to be one of the most sought after running backs this mm. free agency. He's a similar player to Gia. Yeah, yeah. You could see him in Kansas City even. Yeah, I mean, you look at Mixon as well. Mixon really bore the brunt of that load. It wasn't really a sort of like, you know, um, sort of thunder and lightning type approach. It was very much Mixon getting the ball. I mean, you know, people saying we're Mixon, oh, we missed two games. He he had more carries than any AFC running back as well as missing two games. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, in terms of are we getting enough usage out of Gio for what we're paying him? No. Is that going to change under Zach Taylor? It could Who do, knows? but I, I think you're. A, it's a good shout. Taylor does like the one-two punch. Yeah. You know, but CJ Anderson and Todd Gurley are quite different, whereas, well, I suppose... Gurley was really the, the ball there. Yeah. He was the main... And he's got there. arthritis in his knees. Oh, has he? Which is really interesting. Because uh, he did have a big injury when he was at Georgia, didn't he? Right, Gurley, okay. I believe. Anyway, we're not talking about Ram stuff, but um, we'll finish off tonight with another question from Peter Dadswell at Dadders. Do you agree that the usual public apathy and indeed dismissiveness of the Bengals uh, are exagger- is exaggerated by doubts following the complete rebuilding of the coaching staff and sets a very, very low bar of expectation next season? The over-under of wins as predicted by mainstream NFL media is at 4.5. I see, I see... I, I mean... It is the great unknown, isn't it? Mm. It's exciting, but there is an element of caution there. You just, you know, it's a young coaching staff. Now, it's not the first time the Bengals had a very young coaching staff. You look at when Sam White's joined, and we yeah, all know yeah. what happened there. Um, Pretty young team. But I've seen a few articles recently kind of saying Zach Taylor is, out of all the new coaching hires, the most likely to fail. So I don't know whether that's an NFL bias against the Bengals. It wouldn't surprise me because they're always seems to be um but i like the energy you know i mean to be honest i'm hoping for at least eight and eight next year well, i think it was interesting when we had paul dana on last um in the last episode he was very much saying like, i think this team's built to win now he's like, he's not he does not view this and i think when he said it very confidently and i think he made some really strong points there's some talent on this team. there's there's i think a window could be a little bit 
too positive, but there's players in their prime that are elite players. AJ Green, Geno Atkins, you know, arguably Carlos Dunlap, that they want to win now. They don't want to be part of some rebuilding four-win project. I think the Bengals are better than that from a talent point of view. Dalton's an, a, a, certainly an average to not above average quarterback. You've got Joe Mixon, who's a good running back. You've got AJ Green, who's an elite wide receiver. You've got some good pieces on the defense if we can get that right and add a few linebackers. So I, I don't know. I think it's harsh. I mean, if you look at Arizona and you've got um, Cliff Kingsbury coming out of college, you know, a, a questionable college career to a team with the Cardinals who haven't got a quarterback, to me, that they would be far more likely, you know, to fail than us. So I don't know. Not no, I agree. I think I think um, I mean there are, there is the uh, the potential for it to absolutely fall on its face. Oh, it's definitely there. You know, but um, I agree with you. You know, I think there's real talent on this team. I think it. I think I'll be able to give it give that question a more definitive answer once I see what they're doing in free agency. I think free agency this year is more important than the draft. I think if they... I'm not bring, sure. I think if they bring in some pieces, a bit like LA did when <coughs> Taylor was there, that were difference makers, like they brought in Sue, like they went and got yeah. and made that trade to get Peters from um, Kansas City. They they really made some bold, aggressive moves. Brandon Cooks, you know, people that said, we're going to go and win now, acquiring players left and right. I think if we show that intent that this is a team, you know, we go out and get a few of these guys that we're like, oh, we're surprised, we're being aggressive. That signals to me we're going to win now. If they are very much, look, can we pick up some cheap sort of players, some younger players perhaps, you know, what we were doing, it, then it would very much signal, look, we're going to see what we can do in a year or two. But that is Yeah, I, I think I still, I still wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals don't, don't really enter that first wave of free agency. Yeah, yeah. However... If they can get, for instance, a Jawan James, a starting right tackle, yeah, yeah, yeah. a starting linebacker, that's obviously going to impact strong, their strategy yeah. in the draft. That means they might not be forced to go for a linebacker in the first round or mm. an offensive tackle in yeah, the first yeah, round. Yeah, yeah. It might it might mean that they go for one of the. It's a very strong defensive line class this year. It might mm. mean that they go, they can pick an Ed Oliver, who's supposed to be mm. the ne- next great three technique yeah, yeah, defensive yeah, yeah. tackle. And with Gino entering his thirties, that might be a great option. Yeah, that's true. You know, a, you know, one of those big guys up front. You know, what I'm saying is, free agency. If they play it right, mm. they can get a few really good starters that instantly Taylor improve the team. Yeah, and also it could kind of cut us a bit of slack in the draft as well, and go for like real like game changing players in the draft mm. you know DK Metcalf might even be there yeah 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 I you think know. it's a good point I think to free up us in the draft and not be forced into taking I mean even if you went and got a good free agent linebacker you probably still want to get another in the draft fairly high yeah anyway. very much so yeah but I think you know if we can have a solid free agency session there I think Zach Taylor will be keen for it I think as a new coach you want to make your mark you've got your guys you want to go and get you want to make your first move you know, you've got the keys, you've got the ship, you're steering it, you're like, right, I want to do something here. I I, I know the Bengals, like Duke Tobin, Mike Brown might be saying, oh, we don't really want to spend some money, you know, we're not really interested in paying someone, you know, what we don't think they're worth. But I think Zach Taylor will be saying, look, I want Jawan James, or I want, you know, I want to go and get KJ right. I want to make this like, big one big sign yeah, to energise the fan base as well. I think yeah. it's essential to have a guy that's like worthy of putting on the back of your jersey. Absolutely. That, gets the fan base invigorated because they need it. Yeah. So Taylor's one piece to it, but I think to get a real good player will get people up and up and excited. Absolutely. Well, we'll see. Bums um, on seats. Bums on seats. Um, 
Well, that's it for this episode. We've been talking all night. We have, haven't we? Uh, we thank you. Uh, thank you, Nathan. Well done. Thank you, Paul. Uh, <laughs> we thank Marissa Contepelli. Uh, obviously, check her out on bengals.com. Uh, we th- thank Hanya Latif for joining us. And we thank you, the you, for joining us as well. And it only remains for me to say... Well, no, it doesn't, actually. Uh, you can uh, talk to us on Twitter, at today underscore UK, or Bengals UK on Facebook. Um, we've got another fantastic guest next week, uh, which is kind of 90% confirmed, so that's exciting. I know Nathan is very excited. Um we uh, we're going to be doing some draft stuff. Three consecutive episodes of draft centric uh, podcasting uh, Nirvana in April, uh, where uh, Joe Goodbury is coming on as he does every year to talk to us. Uh, we're hoping for a few other people. We've got an exciting Bengals UK team of draft experts waiting in the wings to talk to you. So there's going to be lots of stuff going on in the next few weeks. Uh, so do continue to join in. And it really is time for me to say it's who day for me. And a who day for me. Cheers, guys. And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.